Hi, this is uh, Jacob here, and welcome to the latest episode of the Pound Shop Podcast. I believe this is episode number 37. <clears throat> I apologize because we have not put anything out on this feed in a while. Uh, just a mix of different things. We've had some trouble getting guests. That's been uh, impacting things here. We've had some scheduling con. Um, conflicts we've had uh you know of course i've been working on my blog you can check that out jacob uh nba blog.wordpress.com um i've been posting some stuff on there so it's all meant that you know this feed has been a little quieter and i do apologize apologize on that but i'm hoping that maybe we get some you know increased uh increased amount of activity here in, in the coming weeks maybe we can get some guests on have some good uh good episodes and uh and we'll see what happens but i did want to record a little bit of a solo episode tonight on uh just some thoughts i wanted to get off my chest about uh the state of the patriots and the state of the celtics because both uh organizations are, are you know both franchises are coming under fire a little bit and you know i don't necessarily think it's entirely uh fair and appropriate so i'm gonna defend them because uh, I, I think that's what needs to happen. So uh, we're going to kind of uh, go in depth on uh, why things are not as bad as some are making it out to be. Um, so we'll start with football because uh, that's, you know, just just honestly, you know, it's, it's football season. That's my thought concern right now. We'll have time to worry about basketball later. And we're, we're later into the football season too, right? Like it is reaching a little bit more of a critical point with football than with basketball, which is so early. Um, you know, so we'll start with the Patriots. And, uh, so we've played seven weeks of football and the Patriots are off to a three and four start. They play at the chargers tomorrow. And, um, it, it, it's a little bit of an interesting thing. Both conferences are very different. Like, I feel like in the NFC, and I, I wrote about this this week in, in the blog, I feel like in the NFC, you've got basically five juggernauts. Each, you know, now that the Cardinals, each of them only one loss. Cardinals, Packers, Bucks, Cowboys, and uh, Rams. One loss teams, they're all good. They're going to be one through five. That's very clear. The battle through six and seven for six and seven is between like a lot of teams that are just not not very good. I think you literally none literally none of them are like playoff caliber to me. Uh I think there there are gonna be a couple that make it, obviously, but it's gonna be really weak, like nine and eight, eight and nine type of team, I feel like. Maybe someone gets the ten wins. Maybe like the Saints squeak out like ten wins or something, and that's your six seed. Like that's kind of what we're looking at here. And I don't think the Saints are, you know, too, too great. So, uh, it, it's a weak conference, and that's going to open up opportunities for for a team like the Vikings, who at least have a good offense, to to maybe go nine and eight, eight and nine, and squeak in. I don't think Seattle is done, and, and I I wrote the I wrote about this this week. I don't think the Seahawks are out of it, because just just think about this for a second. If they beat Jacksonville which they should be able to do even without Russell Wilson. If they beat Jacksonville tomorrow, that puts them at 3-5. and five. Then they have their bye. And then if Russell Wilson can come back, which is apparently on the table, if he can come back after the bye, 
and they go, let me do the math. So three and five, if they can go, if they can go six and three, maybe even five and four, then that puts Seattle with, with Russell Wilson, then that puts Seattle in that range. And I feel like that's doable. Maybe not easy, but I feel like it's doable. So I'm not saying that you should say Seattle's like a favorite or anything, but I picked them for that spot just because like, I mean, it's hard to bet against Russell Wilson if he's healthy, if, you know, if it's not too big of a hole to overcome. And that's really going to be the question, right? Like, is it too big of a hole to overcome? Certainly if they lose to Jacksonville this week, I think it's over. But, uh, you know, I would not, I'm just saying, I would not even count out a team like Seattle. I just think it's going to be a clusterfuck. I think it's going to be just a, a bunch of average to maybe even slightly below average teams fighting for a couple of playoff spots. But really what's going to matter at the end of the day is those top five in the conference. Wild card round, outside of the 4-5 game, which will be great, the wild card round probably going to be pretty boring in the NFC. You're probably going to have... You know, a couple of blowouts by the three in in the two seed, I would imagine. So, uh, that that's kind of what's going on over there. But so, then you have the, you compare it to the AFC, just a completely different thing. Um, you have all of these teams between two and four losses. No one has has fewer than two losses in the AFC. It, it's just going to be a a, a scram, and, and, and so you know I don't know if any of these teams are going to be as good record wise as some of the NFC teams at the end of the day. But uh, you have probably nine playoff caliber teams in the AFC, maybe. Um, so at least at least eight, maybe nine. So uh, yeah, I would say nine. I would probably say nine. So it's going to be really fascinating, and um, I kind of uh, so I guess in the in the NFC I'll say right now I would I, I do have Seattle in that spot, but I do recognize the, the tenuousness of that, uh, and then I have Minnesota in another wild card spot out of the the two spots that are kind of in question. Uh, I could definitely see the Saints making it as well. I just someone made I was listening to a podcast uh, this week and. Uh, I want to say it was on Bill Simmons' website, one of those podcasts. Uh, I was listening this week, and someone kind of made the mention of like, well, the Saints are the like the twenty twenty Patriots, just uh, you know, with a little, maybe a little bit better of a defense than we had last year, and that's kind of accurate. I mean, you look at their offense, and it's just like you have Jameis, who's kind of like a journeyman quarterback now and you kind of have just awful wide receivers and uh Alvin Kamara is like the only good skill guy and it's just uh you know I don't really the Saints are getting by because I, I do think their defense is very good and they're very well coached uh that that that's kind of what's propelling them so I it's hard for me to like jump all in behind that team um especially because I think they're going to lose uh, pretty convincingly to Tampa tomorrow. So, um, you know, it's going to be, uh, it, it's going to be an uphill battle, uh, you know, for them to, to do anything in the past, but you know, the, it, it, they could make it just because the conference is in 
this the state it is. Carolina's obviously fallen off. It's hard for me to come up with teams. I mean, the Niners have fallen off. The Bears are have a lot of problems. I mean, Washington and Philly look, uh, and the Giants all look pretty bad. Like, Detroit hadn't won a game. I mean, it's just hard to come up with teams. I guess Atlanta would be another one. Atlanta, at least, I feel like you know what you're going to get with, like, their offense now. Kyle Pitts is starting to come on, like, Atlanta is a team I could see cracking that field, maybe. Um, but they're not again. They're not anything to write home about either. Their defense. Uh, Matt Ryan's looked pretty old at times this year, and their defense has had uh, some issues. So I don't know. Um, but in the AFC, it's just uh, there's going to be a couple of good teams that miss out, and and this is where the Patriots come in because I have heard you know from you know some. So, for, from some people that well the Patriots are, are done they have no chance and, and just saying all this stuff about oh they only have wins against these bad teams blah, 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 blah. and it's like breathe you have to look at the context of, of some of what's going on here so what I'm going to tell you is that I think the Bills are definitely a playoff team I think the Ravens are definitely a playoff team. I think Tennessee is definitely a playoff team. I think Tennessee is going to win the um, the South. I think the Chargers are definitely a playoff team. I think the Bengals proved last week they deserve to be in that category. I was I had doubted them. I was not a believer in the Bengals. I thought. Well, maybe they're just getting by off, you know, winning some easy games. You know, kind of like what people are saying about the Patriots. But so I guess I can understand why if you're not actually watching the team, you know, why you would say some of these things. Because I was thinking that about the Bengals, right? The only game, Cincinnati game I watched uh, was against the, the Jaguars and they didn't look great in the game. Um, they had to come back to win at the end. So... But this is why I'm here to just kind of like break all this down and, and explain it because, you know, I can understand, you know, maybe you're not watching and maybe you're not, you know, is in tune. So that's why I'm here uh, recording this podcast. Um, so, you know, I, I admit now I was wrong about Cincinnati there. They deserve to be in that category. So you have them. I'm not going to call Cleveland any kind of definite because they have had a lot of injury problems. But I will tell you, I really like that team when it's when it's fully healthy. So I'm going to leave them into that and into that playoff field because you will, let's say the injuries don't wreck their season. I, I if you if they actually get healthy at some point, I think they can make a real run at the conference. I really like that team. Obviously, Baker is not going to be like the best quarterback in the conference or anything. No one's saying that. But if you look at how well-built their team is, you, you see how, how well they can run the ball. If their wide receivers get healthy, they have a very good receiving core. Um, for now, I, you know, by all accounts, Odo Beckham probably not going to be on that team next year. But, uh, you know, for now, they have an elite receiving core if they can actually get it healthy. Um, well, offensive line is very good. Defense is very good. Miles Garrett's a superstar. They have uh, a good secondary. They've invested a lot into it. I mean, they have some some real you know they have a really nice put together team, and uh, I really uh, 
I really am a, am a fan of what they've done there. I think it can work, and we'll see what happens. You know, obviously injuries could uh, could really affect things. Just like could with any team, they've really gotten it this year. The Ravens have. That's what's so impressive about the Ravens too is like they've had these injuries and and they've managed to succeed in spite of it. So, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens there, but I'm going to leave them in because I, I do like their team. So, but they're not a, not a definite, I would say, um, so that leaves a spot open and I, I still think the Patriots are filling that spot. Um, obviously the other candidates would be the Vegas Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs, and maybe the Colts. So I'll, I'll tell you why I think that the Patriots fill in that spot. So first of all, well, first, okay, so first I'll tell you why the Raiders aren't. I want to address the Raiders because, you know, I think a lot of people are maybe impressed by what they're seeing with the Raiders so far and um, and all this stuff, and that's great, but... I have to I have to bring I have to bring some news here. I have to bring this back up. I have to bring up some history. You know, this isn't me just spewing crap here. This is actually tr- this is actual trends that have happened. This is an this is very much a trend here. So if you're buying into the Raiders, then you are are saying this trend is is, you know, is is not going to be you know doesn't mean anything and you might be right but when you've got a multi-year trend going here with most of the same players on the team I don't know how you could look at the trend and be like hmm there's nothing there there there's just nothing there it's not a problem at all you know I, I just you know I don't see how you can you know look at it that way everybody's entitled to their opinion but I mean this is a pretty clear trend here and it's Looking like it's set up to continue, maybe. So you in, in 2019, Vegas started the season six and four, were firmly in wildcard contention, and they finished seven and nine. In 2020, Vegas started six and three. You know, it looked like a surprise team, wildcard contender, all this stuff. They finished eight and eight. So they have a multi-year track record. Of getting off to fast starts. And then cratering when it matters most. That is the Raiders track record. Until they prove otherwise. That is their track record. So yeah. That's cool that they're 5-2. and two. Congratulations. But 5-2. and two, You know they don't. They, they don't name the playoff teams after 7 weeks. I mean that's fine and all. But. You have to keep it up. And we've seen no evidence based on what has happened here with their recent history. There's no evidence that they're actually going to keep it up. And you look at the the games they've won. I mean, Philly, not a good team. The Broncos have been in free fall. I don't think they're good. The Steelers, not a good team. I'm sorry, they're they're not. Ben Roethlisberger is not a good is not good. He's completely washed up. Their offense is not good. Um, they're they're not a good team. 
And then Miami, not a good team. So four of their five wins, not even against good teams. And they also lost to the Bears, who are also probably not good. Now, they did beat the Ravens, but I'll just add some context to that. It was week one at home on Monday Night Football with a crowd, you know, basically the first game, I believe it was the first game that they've had, they've been able to have fans in their new stadium. So it was a, you know, a charged up atmosphere. And they had a Baltimore team that was just kind of figuring out how to adjust after, you know, Baltimore is very good. You know, I said Baltimore is very good. But it was a tough road game for them. They're figuring out how to adjust after all these players get hurt in preseason. And they're just trying to find their way. We didn't even know if Baltimore was, was really good at this point. You know, they, they've kind of proven otherwise. Lamar Jackson is incredible. But we didn't even know that at that point. So this game's going back and forth. And it gets enough time. Both teams are trying to give it away. <laughs> they're trying to give away the win. It's like neither team even wanted to win the game. And then finally the Raiders... Uh, Pulled it out, but it was not a game that was like, you know, some statement game by the Raiders. It was like this 50-50 thing that, like, neither team wanted to win. So, like, I just, based on all that, and, and their defense, again, is still, like, not this great group. I mean, they they have some players. It might be a little bit better. They have some players, uh... And and the offense is mostly the same. They've incorporated some younger talent. Their line might be worse, if anything. I mean, so... And look, the the Raiders may finish with, like, a better record than they did. Like, maybe the Raiders go 9-8. But this isn't the NFC. I don't think 9-8 is getting you in. So, like, like the Raiders may go 9-8. They may be a half game because they added the 17th game. They may be a half game above what they were last year. Or something like that. I could see that. But like... Again, when all these trends are here... Derek Carr is still the quarterback. Darren Waller is still the best, you know, skill player. Like... Still have a lot of the same defensive players. Still have a... You know, of course Gruden's gone. And that's the one variable, right? Like, we don't know... You know, obviously they, they've... Looked like they've been fine so far with this whole Gruden, John, you know, John Gruden departure and, the, and that whole distraction. They've been fine, but will they continue to be? You know, will the coaching staff, uh, you know, have, you know, have issues at some point? I don't know. We'll have to see on all of that. But it's just hard to, when you've got this history, it's hard to believe in the Raiders. So I don't think the Raiders are making the playoffs. I don't. I really don't. That brings up Kansas City. If you want to argue, I think if you want to argue Kansas City over the Patriots, I, I can't really stop you. I can't really say that you don't have a point because you do. Like the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. They have the second best quarterback in football. But you know what they don't have? They don't have very many other good players on their team, to, to put it bluntly. Their roster is constructed horribly. They did not do a good job building their team. If the Chiefs were smart, they would have looked at things and they would have said, okay, we just signed Patrick Mahomes to this long-term contract extension that his, you know, 
turned out to be, you know, it looks like it's going to be a pretty damn good, you know, value deal, especially as it ages. So we need to approach this on, you know, on a long-term sustainable level. Like he's not at an age. We're not Tampa. Tampa has Brady for like another year after this one. And then it's, that team's probably going to blow up and get deconstructed. And this is an all-in play by Tampa to rack rack up titles in the short term before Brady just retires. Or, heck, maybe even leaves for another team. Who even knows at this point. But they, they have a three-year thing where they're just going to try to win right now. The Chiefs are going to have Mahomes for another probably 15 years. Or at least 10. So they don't need to go all-in. Why why would they go all in right now when that's the case? They they they've already restructured his contract. So the more they do that, like that's great and might help in the short term, but in the long term you're just making his contract less and less of an advantage and you're just going to you know hurt your ability there. It's like there is a sustainable long-term way that they could be doing this. Like for example, they trade their first round pick and I know I know they got a second rounder back, but you know, play with me here. They get Orlando Brown, you know, veteran, you know, left tackle option for them. Uh, you, you know, a big left tackle acquisition for there. They're trying to get Mahomes protected, and that's fine. But so they traded for a, their first round pick, which could have been used on a cost controlled player on a rookie st- scale deal that could have been in their starting lineup somewhere and helped their team. They trade that. For, the, for a right tackle in a run-based system on the Ravens to be their left tackle in a pass for a system on the Chiefs. Seems like a bit of a projection to me, doesn't it? So that's one example of a move where it's like if you're trying to build a sustainable operation there in Kansas City, keep your pick and use it on a left, you know, maybe you use it on a left tackle. Maybe you use it on another position. I don't know. But... And then you pay Joe Tooney all that money. I like Joe Tooney. Joe Tooney was on the Patriots. He's a very good player. The Patriots looked like, you know, they've settled down since, but early in the year it looked like they were going to miss Joe Tooney more than I expected um, at one point. So, like, Joe Tooney's good. But, like, if you're the Chiefs and you're paying Mahomes that money and you're paying some other players that money, you have to make choices on some positions where you're going to say, okay, we could get away with finding, uh, you know, some diamonds in the rough here and, and and doing that. I mean, you look at the Patriots under Brady, like, they weren't, outside of uh, Logan Mankins, they weren't out here spending high picks on interior offensive linemen. It was mostly, like, these, you know, late-round, undrafted, middle-round uh, type type guys that would come in and, they, and, and they'd form a cohesive offensive line and they'd, and they'd get... And, and they'd protect. So, like, if you're the Chiefs, you would have been way better suited trying to, you know, get a lower-cost player there and then spending the money on your defense because your defense is hot garbage. It's one of the worst defenses to ever step on an NFL field. So, maybe, maybe don't pay the guard big money next time. And they structured the contract so that the pain is going to on that contract going to be later. I mean, it's just it keeps it keeps coming for them. Like, and I mean, you have this awful defense 
Like, you got to put a little more into the defense. And, and do it smarter, too. Again, first-round, second-round pick, and $20 million per year contract handed out to Frank Clark, who, does, who, who has, like, zero sacks. Like, come on. That, that's just bad. Then they move Chris Jones, who was their best defensive player, out of position to the edge. And he's his, his production's gone down. I mean, Tyron Matthew, you, you know what you're going to get. And I will say, I think their corners are not, like, the worst in the league. I don't know that they're particularly good there. And it's a, it's a very important position to be good. But, you know... I don't, I don't know if those guys are like, they don't have, they, you know, they could use a, you know, obviously they could, you know, imagine if a, if a team like the Chiefs who had, you know, the offensive, imagine if they had like a, a true stud cornerback that could actually like take out a receiver one on one. Imagine if they had just that piece alone that of the team, right? They'd be so much better, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know. I mean... And, and and the other safety spot other than Teron Matthew has just been a disaster. Their linebacker plays. I mean, it's just their defense is, is literally making teams look like the 07 Patriots. It, it's hot. It's absolute hot garbage. I mean, you're just basically what you're doing with this is you've built your team like the Peyton Manning Colts, not the Patriots. The Patriots won six Super Bowls and the Colts won one. You might want to rethink your strategy and you might want to emulate the team that actually won more. That would seem to make sense to me. But, I, you know, who am I? I'm not running an NFL front office, so what do I know? But I'm just saying, maybe try to emulate the team that actually did it multiple times. I mean, the Patriots went two decades with Brady... In their worst record, after after 2000, so their worst seasons were 2002. They went nine and seven, and this is after Brady took over as a full time starter. 2002, they went nine and seven. They were still kind of like rebuilding the roster at that point, and all that stuff. So that 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 happened then. 2005, they went ten and six. Were battered with injuries. They were worn down from back to back Super Bowl runs. Okay. 2008, they went eleven and five. And they still won 11 games after Brady got hurt. And 2009, they went 10 and 6. That was kind of a, that was their quote unquote rebuilding year. And since then, it's just been uh, until 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 Brady left, uh, they were just good every year. I mean, the Chiefs could do that if they wanted to. Now they wouldn't win. I don't think again because Brady is Brady. I'm not saying the Chiefs would win the amount of Super Bowls. The the Patriots won, but I'm telling you that Mah- Patrick. Mah- I'm telling you the pa- if the Chiefs actually built their team in a sustainable fashion like the Patriots did, then Patrick Mahomes would win at least two more Super Bowls in his career. At least, I'm telling you that because if you actually gave him a respectable defense, and had, I, I think they have offensive issues too. Like, um, I I, I question the third receiver spot after the third pass catcher spot after uh, Kelsey and, and Tyreek Hill. I do question that. I do think that's a spot where you do maybe skimp a little bit more uh, 
financially because you do have Patrick Mahomes and you have to trust at some point. You know, he has two great pass catchers already, and at some point you do have to trust that your star quarterback, like Brady did for so many years, like Peyton Manning has with guys. Okay, if Mahomes is going to be on that level, then he needs to take an average receiver and make that average receiver better. So I'm actually, out of their roster flaws, I'm actually more okay with that one than some of the other ones. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was a terrible draft pick. He's a bust. They can't run the ball very well. Um, Again, offensive line. The thing is they put all this research in their offensive line, and I don't even know if it's better than their offensive line last year when it was healthy. Their problem last year was Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz got hurt. That was their problem. So... I mean, now you, you, you've poured all these resources into it and reconstructed it when, you know, maybe just bring Eric Fisher back. Maybe do that. Maybe bring Eric Fisher back and then draft somebody at pick uh, 31 that can, you know, maybe start off at guard or start off at right tackle and then and then move over to left tackle when, when he's ready. Maybe think about doing it that way. There's just so many more ways they could have... Uh, maybe instead of signing Joe Tooney... Maybe you go sign, uh, I'm trying to think, who was a good, uh, were there any good corners available this offseason? Or maybe not even a corner, maybe, uh, maybe there, you know, sign like three defensive starters, you know, and split that money, like, I don't know, you know, make your defense better, so, um, but but basically what this is getting at is the Chiefs season so far, it's basically their defense has been so bad that it's um, Mahomes, it's basically forced Mahomes, number one, it squeezes his ability to, to be the brilliant player that he is into a shorter window because team, you know, the, the Chiefs don't, are not, are not going to have the ball, you know, that much time of possession is not in their favor. And it's also forcing him to press to kind of uh, keep pace with, you know, their defense is so bad. It's almost like these other offenses are just able to outdo the Chiefs, even though the Chiefs have an incredible offense. So, um, and then also there are a couple other factors that they're just going to have to figure out. Like teams are, are playing against them differently. They're, you know, more willing to go for it on fourth downs. Um, obviously Baltimore famously did that with Lamar. He got the fourth and one, they won the game that way. And then you have, uh, you know, just the way teams are playing defense against Patrick Mahomes, right? They're, they're playing a lot of, you know, I, I, the Patriots, um, you know, I know when the, the Patriots plan at times when they play them, you know, too high man to man. I do this in Madden sometimes when I, uh, when I play that, it's called a cover two man. It's, you've got two back. So you prevent big plays, but you go man-to-man on the outside, kind of get physical with the receivers a little bit. Uh, you know, it could be a tough defense to, to get big plays against. And basically, you're, you're telling the Chiefs, like, okay, we're, you're going to get some yards. You're going to make you're gonna make some plays. We know that. We're going to concede that to you. But we're not going to give up big plays. We're going to make you be patient. We're going to wait for you to make a mistake. And we're going to stiffen up in the red zone. That's... And then we're going to try to get pressure with four. That's kind of what teams have gone to to combat the Chiefs. And it has worked to an extent. 
Obviously, the Chiefs are really good on offense. They're probably not going to not be really good on offense until Patrick Mahomes retires or leaves their team, which is way down the road. But they are, uh, you know, they're going to be, um, you know, they at least look mortal now. I'll say that they at least look mortal. So all that is to say. And the other thing with the Chiefs, they have a crazy hard schedule coming up. So if you look at how it's gone this season, like they're three and four, they get the Giants this week. Even given how things have gone, I'll say they probably do win that game. But after that, it's like they have the Raiders. I, I think the Raiders is probably a split for them. I, I my my rule of thumb in predicting like division games is like if. Unless there's a wide gap between the teams in terms of like how good they are, I'm probably gonna say like they split because division games can be kind of funny. You know, you teams are amped up for it. You have you know increased knowledge of, of the way other teams like to play and, and and all this stuff. So I'm gonna say they probably split with the Raiders, but they also have to play the Packers and the Cowboys. And I'm not I'm sorry the the Packers and the Cowboys are beating them, so. That's going to take them to six losses right there. One of the Raiders will be seven. Do they beat the Chargers again? I don't know. The Chargers might be way better than them. And the Chargers are... And, and I'm going to get to to this because there are, hint, hint, some defenses that... Or, or, or what am I saying? Hint, hint, there are some offenses that the Chargers defense is not equipped to, to match up against. But what the Chargers defense is equipped to match up against is modern passing offenses like the Chiefs. They built their defense to kind of go at teams like the Chiefs. And so I don't think it's an accident that, you know, the Chargers were able to have success in that game. So, I mean, we'll we'll see how, how that works. That may be a split too, but um, the Chiefs are not some lock to make the rally and make the playoffs here not at all i mean they're three and four they'd have to go uh of course the same record as the patriots but we'll get to that um so like do you trust them to go seven and three down the stretch with that defense and with some of the difficult games they're gonna have i don't know i mean it might just be the year from hell for them I mean, I just don't know. Given how good the conference is, I don't know if I can, uh, if I can endorse the Chiefs right now. It just looks bad. I mean, and it seems to be getting worse too. I mean, that that Titans game, it just seemed like it was. It's getting worse. So, I mean, at the beginning of the year, it was like, you know, it was they were it was at least competitive. It was at least close. So. But that brings us to the Patriots and kind of why I still believe in this team and why I think it's, you know, just regurgitating what their record is. Like, congratulations, you can Google what what NFL standings are. You can read off a team's record. But you're not telling me anything. You're not adding any value to the conversation when when you just regurgitate the record. That's, That's not doing anything. So basically what I would say I would say to that is like yeah the the games so far are banked the wins and losses are banked but when you're looking forward 
and you're projecting what's going to happen going forward, you have to look at context. You have to look at what's actually going on. You can't just regurgitate a couple of numbers and tell me, and tell me, oh, that's just going to keep going that way. Like, no, it doesn't always work like that. I already kind of explained why I would say, well, the Raiders record is a little bit flawed, I think. You can disagree, but I explain why I feel that way. And I think I have some solid statistical evidence to back me on that. And I think I, I you know, I, I have some real evidence with the Patriots, too. I don't think you can count the Patriots out. Now, again, because the... I'm not going to say they're a lock. Like I said, if you want... I, I disagree with the Raiders, but if you want to believe in the Chiefs, I, I can get that. It's... It's going to be hard for a lot of people to quit the Chiefs until they're actually eliminated. And I get that. But here's the thing you have to realize. This Patriots team is improving. It's really getting better here. Um, like, that week one loss to Miami, that's bad. It's also a division game. Weird stuff can happen in division games, but like that was bad. They gave Miami that game. They outplayed Miami in the game, and they just gave Miami the win. That was really bad. But like, and then week two, you know, they, they have kind of a blah win over the Jets. Week three, they have that inevitable, and it was inevitably going to happen at some point. Scenes have a good defense. You know, they confused Mac. He threw some interceptions. You know, it, it was inevitable that they were going to have a clunker with a rookie quarterback. And, and it just happened to be that week. Um, so that's kind of what happened there. But then it's like their last four games. I mean, they're visibly, they're visibly improving in a couple ways, right? One thing you can point to is, so one thing I can keep hearing, I, I keep hearing is, well, the Patriots are only beating bad teams. They're only beating the Jets and the Texans. Well, you're technically correct. But what I would respond to it is, so week two against the Jets, week five against the Texans, you know, especially the Texans game, those games were kind of close. And the Texans, I would say they probably have some inside info on how to combat the Patriots because Nick Casario is a GM. So I, I think that might have helped them, help the Texans kind of even the playing field a bit. I don't know. Either way, I mean, they won both those games, but I wouldn't say those are, like, super impressive wins or anything. But then Week 7, they win. They put 54 on the Jets. I don't care if it's the Jets. Scoring 50 in a game is impressive. If it was not impressive, then why has no other NFL team done it this year? Okay, so even though it's the Jets, it's 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 still impressive, especially if, you, if you're one of these people that weren't high on the Patriots coming in, right? You should You should be impressed by the Patriots scoring 50. So they've improved, like, is, 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 is going from just merely beating bad teams to blowing them out, is that not improvement? I'd say it's improvement. I'd say that's a sign of a team getting better. Then you have the Bucks and the Cowboys games. These are two teams that I think most rational people probably have as Super Bowl contenders at this point. I, I happen to think the Bucks are heavy favorites to win the whole thing again. Well, maybe not maybe that heavy at this point, but they're definitely the favorites. They're definitely my favorites to win it all again. You just can't... I mean, they're going to get a lot of their injured players back, I think. And you just can't, uh, you know, especially in the secondary, you know, like Carlton Davis and Murphy Bunning. I think those most of the guys are coming back. I'm surprised Murphy Bunning's not back already, to be honest. But, like, I think the Bucks will be fine. Uh, they're, they're just so deep. 
Um, but like they they took Tampa down to a point where if they were just a little bit more aggressive on fourth down, or Nick Folk hit that ball a little bit differently, just a couple inches one you know one direction, they win that game potentially. Week six against Dallas, another an, another one where they're just right there with the Cowboys, and they could have easily won that game. Again, if they go for it on fourth down. In overtime, maybe they win that game. Like, they're just a couple of plays away against these stacked contenders. So, and, and again, fourth the fourth down stuff, uh, which was I was kind of agitated, but that's another area we're even seeing some pro, some some pro- progress in. Like they 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 did go for a fourth down against the Jets and get it. So, um, you know, I really think that. The Patriots, and again, if you want to look at the history, I gave you the history on the Raiders. Well, the history on the Patriots is the Patriots typically start slow, and then they find themselves over the season, and then they end up playing their best football towards the end of the season. That's how successful Patriot seasons have gone. Actually, actually, most of the times where the Patriots start a season, uh, and then this is going back to the Brady area, obviously, it's not totally the same, but it's like. A lot, a lot of the years where, where they just run off a whole streak of wins to begin a season. Obviously, 2007 is, is the most famous, but 2015 they started 10-0. 2019 they started 8-0. Like, a lot of these years, that was actually a bad sign. It was actually a bad sign because they'd peak too early, and then they'd not be playing their best football as we went into the playoffs. And then it, it, those were not Super Bowl years, right? You know, 2014, they were 2-2, two and two and the sky was falling, everybody was going nuts, and it looked like a disaster, and then they rallied to win the Super Bowl. 2001, they famously start 1-3 and three and win it. You know, 2018, they start 1-2 and two and win it. I mean, so there's a track record here of, you know, maybe starting slow is not such a bad thing for me. Now, obviously, this is a much different situation. You're not going to be a lock to make the playoffs even if you start slow, so... Um, you have to, you know, you have to hold your, you know, the, your end of the bargain on that part of it. But uh, again, even last year, even with that dreadful roster last year, they started two and five. They needed a field goal to beat the Jets, a game-winning field goal to beat the Jets, who I believe had Joe Flacco starting that game. To you know, they they were almost two and six. I would have because, so I believe in tanking in football if you're going for a quarterback. I don't believe in tanking for football if you have a quarterback. Um, so because we didn't have Mac yet, I was like, well, screw it. I was, I was in like, well, I want this pick to be as high as possible so we get a quarterback. So, I mean, I would have been rooting for, you know, I would have been fine with them losing at that point, but they ended up rallying and, and getting a bunch of wins. Like they, they had that win against Baltimore. I, I remember that vividly because I was out in, uh, you know, I was I was out visiting my brother at his college, and I remember watching the hotel room. Uh, you know, them playing the Ravens on Sunday Night Football and them winning that game, and I was just like, holy crap! And then they beat the Cardinals too. Like they had a good thing going. You know, they they got to. You know, they were around 500 after 12 weeks, I believe. And then things kind of, you know, crashed a little bit. But 
I mean, that was not, you know, you, you know, they rallied a little bit and, and made it a little bit of a season there. And that team stunk. So, if that team can rally, I, I have no doubt this team is going to, you know, especially when I watch the games. I watched every game except the Houston game. I, I was in, I was down visiting my, uh, I was down visiting some family. I was at the beach for, for the Houston game. I didn't get a chance to watch that, but uh, I watched every other game, and I can see this team visibly improving. I really can, and. I know they had the talent to do it. They found the right offensive line combination. Their line was dreadful earlier in the year. It's really settled down, and it's slowly becoming the strength we thought it would be. Now, if Trent Brown does come back, they'll have some decisions to make. Uh, I don't know if they would uh, maybe go back to the Week 1 projected offensive line. Maybe they bench Isaiah Wynn and, and kick Trent Brown to, to left tackle. Maybe they just say, okay, Trent, Trent, you're not coming back unless we have an injury. Uh, you know, who knows? Because they have found, with, with with Ted Karras going in at left guard and with Unwenu kicking out to right tackle, they have found, you know, the right pairing for this year and potentially the long term because, uh, you know, for in, in, in Unwenu's case, if he can play right tackle as well as he played guard, that's probably more valuable. And I don't know if they're going to be able to pay a guy like Trent Brown anyway, they're stuck with, with Isaiah Wynn's fifth-year option. They probably wouldn't have picked that up if, if they could do it over again. I'm not sure. So, uh, But he's played better, too, um, with the new combination. So that group has played a lot better. They've been running the ball really well since then. Damian Harris is uh, ninth in the league in rushing right now. Uh, Mack looks better and better every week, which you'd expect with a rookie quarterback. Man, that guy can play. There's some teams that are kicking themselves, missing out on him. I'm talking about, uh, you know, a lot of the teams in the top. I mean, the Niners trading those two picks to get Trey Lance when they could have just sat there and taken Mack. Like, uh, that's a glaring example for sure. But like, and then you look at some of the teams that could have traded up, like Washington and the Steelers and the Saints. I mean, those teams have to be just beside themselves right now that. That they didn't get this guy. I mean, because he is not the fifth best quarterback in this draft. I'm sorry. He's not going to say he's better than Trevor because Trevor has crazy ability. But like, he might be the second best quarterback in this class after uh, after Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I I really believe that right now. So I mean, that was just a steal. And then you have, uh, I think the receivers are rounding into form. Uh, I like what we're seeing out of Kendrick Bourne. Jacoby Myers is reliable on those shorter routes. Hunter Henry has really uh, made himself at home in this offense. Uh, Nelson Aguilar is a little underwhelming at times, but I also think he's, you know, the offense is not going to be built around longer passes, and he's kind of the long pass, the the, the down the field, the deep threat. Um. So I can see why he's maybe not, like, the most targeted guy out there. But he has made some... Obviously, the drop against Dallas was a killer. But he has made some catches, too. So, like, I, I'm not saying... I don't think Aguilar is worth the money. But I also don't think he's, like, not doing his... You know, filling his role or anything. I think he is. Um, Janu Smith is... Uh, you know, it's taken them a little while to figure out how to use him. But I think they're getting there. Um... So, and then defensively, the one position 
so so the front seven is vastly improved this year, both up front on the defensive line. Um, Christian Barmore, their second round pick, looks like a a young a young star. He really looks good. I think they hit big on that pick. Um, Judon is is maybe the best player on the team. The problem is, in in, in if you've heard me, you've I've probably mentioned it on this pod before. I love corners. I think it's the second most impo- most important position in football. So the corner situation gives me some pause right now. I the Stephon Gilmore thing was so unfortunate because they really could use him right now with Jonathan Jones going down. Um, really, what I think they need if they want to maximize what this team can do, I think they need to go out and trade for a number two corner. And what that would do is it would mean that Jalen Mills can slide inside and take the Jonathan Jones spot, which I think would better suit Jalen Mills' skill set anyway. So I think you would improve that spot in a noticeable way, and you would just solidify that number two cornerback spot. So I think it's going to be easier said than done to find the right player there. Um to trade for, but if they can trade for a number two corner somehow, then that would be huge, uh, you know, for them. Uh, otherwise it's just going to be, they'll still be a good defense, but they may not be the great defense. I thought they could be coming into the year, but they're also getting more out of the quarterback than I thought they'd be getting. And I was high on Mac. I didn't think Mac was going to be this good this soon. So, um, But, uh, and obviously you've got Belichick coaching. I mean, there's been the fourth down stuff, but they're working through that. And it's like, this is a team, you know, a championship organization that knows what they're doing for the most part. So, um, you know, they're, they're going to be well prepared going into these games and they're getting well, you know, they're getting good coaching and, um, look, it's just, this this is a team on the rise, and it's just hard to to look at it and say they're done. And getting to this week, I think the Chargers are a great matchup for the Patriots, and I like the Chargers. I think the Chargers have a real, honest to god chance to win the AFC when it's all said and done. I like the Chargers team a lot, but the Chargers' weaknesses, oh, do they play right into the Patriots' hands or what? So the Chargers are awful at run defense, which the Patriots, again, Damian Harris, ninth in the league in rushing. The Patriots will be more than happy to uh, to use that. And, and I get the other thing, the Chargers are vulnerable to short passing routes. You don't get big plays on them as much, but they're more vulnerable to the shorter passing routes. Well, the Patriots will sit there and say, well, great, that's how we like to play offense anyway. We will be more than happy to just pound the ball on you and complete short passes on you and just eat time off the clock so that your offense doesn't get to be on the field and we'll go score touchdowns on you. The Patriots will be more than happy to play that way. It plays right into their hands. And then on the other side of the ball, um... Well, I guess first on special teams, the Chargers have the worst special teams in the league a year after the Patriots won 45 to nothing 
in L.A. in part because of a lot of special teams uh, miscues by the Chargers. Missed field goal, blocked field goal, punt return for a touchdown. I mean, just on and on and on. So, and the Chargers special teams is bad again. They've already signed a, set, a new kicker. So, like, that could come into play again. And then on offense, I love Justin Herbert. I think he's a rising star, but he's had... You know, a couple of his worst games now against the Patriots last year, against Baltimore a couple weeks ago, with defenses that like to kind of show different looks, bring pressure, um, disguise, all these sorts of different things. And, and, and they don't just play, you know, safe defense or, you know, or whatever. Like, the the Patriots, I think, you know, they, they, they've shown they can confuse Justin Herbert. Obviously, they're not going to have the success. It's not going to be shut out again, right? Like, Justin Herbert's going to do better. But it's like the Patriots, maybe the Patriots winning... 45 to nothing last year does mean something. Again, the Chargers are better since then, but you have to understand the Patriots are too. So, I like the Patriots. I like the Patriots chances a lot tomorrow. I really think they're going to win the game outright. Um So then it's like can they, can they get on a roll? So, so so then it's like you beat Carolina who is in a free fall and then all of a sudden if you're the Patriots, you're sitting there at five and four. So, I just you you got to give this team a chance to see what it can do. I really think they're good, um, and I really think they're going to be able to make a run here at the playoffs. Now they're not a contender to win the Super Bowl, but to to just write this season off just because. Uh, you know, they're just because of what their current record is, like I think is uh is not the right approach. So, uh, so all right, I'm gonna you know start a new recording here. It'll it should stack on top of uh, this one. So I'll be back in a second talking about the Celtics start to the season and why it's too early to panic. Hi, this is Jacob. So I'm back here. Uh, Ready to, to do the basketball portion of this podcast. Um, so the Celtics have started the season two and four. Not ideal, right? I, I understand it's not ideal. But here's what you have to realize. Again, just like I said with football, you can't just look at standings, regurgitate the record, just throw a couple, you know, numbers at me or whatever you're doing and they just say okay well this tells everything there is to know about this team nothing else to say nothing else to see here that's just what it's going to be and that's just what it's going to continue to be so who even cares right why even try to look at things in an advanced nuanced sophisticated way let's just let's just go look at standings and regurgitate records and that's just going to tell us everything there is to know about basketball fuck no that's not how it works you have to look at things, and you have to look at the con, especially with basketball, even more. Like football, I not acknowledge, right? It's getting to a critical point. It's it is starting to get to a critical point. See, but basketball, you're you're like six of eight. You know what's six divided by by eighty two? I I have to let me figure this out. I, I, I'm pretty good with mental math, so I can probably figure this out. So it is 10, 11, 12, 
So from a fraction standpoint, I can get it down to um, 3 divided by 41. 3 divided by 41, 6 divided by 82, whatever you want to call it. That's a damn small fraction, isn't it? You can look at any sort of, you know, whatever that time span is in any other season. You know, you want to find the uh, the first of it, the, the second of it. You want to find the, you know, the tenth of it in the middle of the January. I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't fucking know. But, like, you can go into any, you know, any six-game sample from any season. I guarantee you can find some weird shit. I guarantee you can find some weird shit. You can find some random ass shit. From, you know, if you just take some random six-game sample in any season. I guarantee you will find some weird quirks in the standings. So you can't just overreact to this one just because it's the first one. You can't overreact to anything until you are at least 15 games into the season, if not 20. It is too soon. It's it's just too soon. So, like here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Last season, Orlando started six and two. Do you know what happened to Orlando? They ended up bottoming out, trading their damn entire team, pretty much. Their entire starting lineup. Fournier, Vucevic. Am I missing anyone? Oh, Aaron Gordon. Fournier, Vucevic, and Aaron Gordon. All traded at the deadline, and then they end up tanking, and they end up with the fifth pick in the draft. But they started 6-2. and two. So if you're just going to go off the current standings, right, or, or, or the current standings this time last year, and you see Orlando 6-2, you're like, oh, Orlando might be really good. Let's just buy into them. Like, no. No, they're not. It's just a fluke. It's just a fluke. And that's why you can't overreact to, to, to this stuff. The Celtics last year, even, this, even the Celtics, and I think the Celtics, if they hadn't gotten up, hammered by the injuries that they did they would have been you know not great because their roster construction was awful with the double big front court and all that shit that was a disaster but like they started off like pretty good they had a pretty good record at the start and then it kind of cratered from there so it's just not always an indicator a, a good indicator at all you have to understand like what teams look just what teams look like roster wise what you kind of thought of them going into the season. And you, I don't think you can back off of that too much this soon. Now, you can tweak things a little bit, maybe. I think that's fair. I think one tweak for me that I'll, I'll be honest about, I think I do think I was a little bit too low on the Wizards. I had the Wizards as my number 12 seed coming in. I did have them in that... In, I do think that is a tier 7 to 12. So like I, I, I did have them in that tier, but I had them in the bottom of it. Um, 
and, and one of my logic points was that Bradley Beal's not vaccinated. He might miss some time at some point. But, like, I do think that I underestimated that they just have some good, you know, a lot of, you know, NBA. They have a lot of NBA players on their team. They have a lot of players that can, that are capable. If you put them on the floor, they can do things to help you win games. And I think I underestimated that about them. So if I could do it over over again, I would have the Wizards probably in that maybe nine or ten spot. I I'd probably have them. I definitely have them in the same tier. Because again, if you're if you're out here moving teams between tiers this soon, then you're doing it wrong. That's just a sign that maybe you didn't know what the hell you were talking about to begin with. If you're doing it this soon, maybe you're just clueless to begin with. Like it's just too soon. So yeah, I was wrong on the Wizards. I'll admit that. I I, I had them too low in that tier, but I, I'm not moving them with you know between tiers. That's insane. Like no, the Wizards are not going to be. They're not going to be sitting with home court advantage in the, in the in the East playoffs, just because of uh, you know they're off to a good start. And it's not going to happen. You know, it, it's just the way it is. Um, and. You can old takes expose me if I if I'm wrong on that. I don't care. I feel pretty good about that one. But then it's like another surprise team people have been talking about this year is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Everybody's you know I've heard it multiple. I think I heard on Bill Simmons podcast this week. Oh, the Cavs actually look decent. They might make the playoffs. Newsflash: the Cavs are not making the playoffs. They're just not. The East is way too good for that. That's not happening. They start Laurie Markin in a small forward. A team starting Laurie Markin in a small forward will not make the playoffs. That will not happen. I can guarantee you that's not happening. Now, I think you can take some positive things from their start. I think Evan Mobley seems like he's going to be a damn good NBA player. Good for him. Good for the Cavs. They got a franchise, maybe their first true franchise player post-LeBron. They, they might have that now. Good for them. Congratulations. That doesn't mean you're going to make the playoffs this season. Like, you still have this weird front court. Like, Laurie Markkinen as a small forward is dumb. I'm sorry. That trade was dumb. Trading Larry Nance for him was dumb. And and I'm not backing off of that. Like, starting a 7-footer at small forward in today's NBA is just weird. And one that's not good at defense to boot. Like, good teams are going to exploit that. Especially... Once we get later into the season, they're gonna they're gonna just exploit that. And then, um, you know, their backcourt is good, but like we still don't know what the future is there for, you know, on that team for both those guys. One of those guys could could get traded at some point. It's just like, look, you can acknowledge that, and, and Toronto's kind of similar. It's like Toronto's probably not going to be a playoff team, but like you can say like, hey. Scotty Barnes looks like he might be a player. Evan Mobley looks like he might be a player. I think we can see that from from this and see some of the process. But like, you can't just like like to, to say that a team like Cleveland is going to be a playoff team in in this deep of a conference. And that is the the one thing that would give me pause on a, a, a little bit of concern on the Celtics. It's just that well, it's not even them. It's just the conference is deep, right? It's not even their fault. The conference is just deep, but. Uh, I'm not even that worried about that yet. I don't think that's going to... You know, the Celtics should be better than a lot of these teams, so it's not going 
concern me that much, but like, I'm sorry, the East is too deep for the Cavs playing playoffs. It just is. You can't just overreact to this early sample. And and then you go around the league too. It's like the Suns haven't gotten off to the greatest start in the world. I'm sorry, I don't care. It's really not like we know what those guys can do. I'm not really not not worried about that. So then you look at the Celtics. You have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And, and a lot of players that I've seen a lot of good teams from, or, or a lot of good things from this season that um, can, can help this team win. Al Horford looks really good. Robert Williams didn't play tonight, looks really good. Marcus Smart didn't play tonight. Uh, I think he's, um, I think he's adjusted to the point guard role pretty well. He's been uh, a lot, you know, after he had a little bit of an off year on defense last year, he is back to his old form on defense so far. He has reined in, you know, he's had pretty reined in shot selection for the most part, but he's, um, you know, he's hit some shots when he needs to. Um, Dennis Schroeder, I love what he's brought to the team. Just that burst going to the rim, the playmaking, um, the defense, I, I love I love what I see from Dennis Schroeder. Josh Richardson played well tonight. He he can be hit or miss. Um, and I also wish he, he would get vaccinated. Uh, wish I'd see some more playing time for some of the young guys like Aaron E. Smith. Um, that is a is a complaint. They're, they need to clean up some things in their defensive system. Again, I saw some big improvement on that tonight. They defended really well tonight. Um Grant Williams has, you know, I've kind of ragged on, on him a little bit. I think most Celtics fans have, but I have to admit he's looked pretty good this year. So, like, they have a nice deep team, and they have these two elite stars. It's like, I'm sorry, you want to say the Bulls are better, you know, a better long-term bet than the Celtics? No, they're not. They don't have a, they don't have a best player nearly on par with Jason Tatum. I mean, Zach Levine is very good, but he is not Jason Tatum. And... I'm sorry, I'd probably take Jalen Brown over Zach Levine too. That might be controversial. I'm not sure if people really like Zach Levine that much, but I would take Jalen Brown over Zach Levine. And then and then a team like Washington. Um Beal is, you know, Beal, and that's probably another reason why I know there is. Beal is um probably better right now than Jalen. Not Tatum, but Jalen. Beal is better than Jalen. So I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Um, but but then it's like you go down the list. It's like the Knicks. They don't have a player on their team as good as Jalen, let alone Tatum. The Hornets don't have a player on their team as good as Jalen, let alone Tatum. The Pacers sure as hell don't. That's for sure. The you know the um. And then and then even when you move up, it's like the Hawks. Well, some people might argue Trey over Tatum. I don't. I think Tatum's definitely better than Trey. But they don't have a player on their another player on their team, you know, a second option like Jalen. The Sixers, even with Ben Simmons there, I mean, you, I mean, you'd have to be smoking something pretty pretty strong if you want Ben Simmons on your team right now over Jalen Brown. Embiid is better than Tatum, but. I think the gap between Embiid and Tatum is smaller than 
Brown and the in the and whoever the Sixers' second best player is. That's for sure. So, like, you can't over you can't over, you just can't overreact to this stuff. It's like the game tonight. The Celtics shot seven percent from three. Outlier, bad shooting game by the Celtics. Didn't have their third and fourth best player, their starting point guard and their starting center. In in Robert Williams and Marcus Smart. And and they're still and they're on the road against a team that's gotten off to a hot start, and they still have a chance to win the game. So I don't think I think just overreacting to that game result is just stupid. Those games are going to happen. It's the NBA regular season. You can win. If you win 60 games, that means you're going to lose 22. If you win 55 games, that means you still have to lose 27. If you win 50 games, that means you still have to lose 32. Even if you if you win 45 games, that means you have to lose a whopping 37 games. So... There are going to be losses. Even the best teams in the league, they're going to have games that they lose. They're going to have a game or two that they lose to crap bag teams. This is just part of the NBA regular season. It Occasionally, it's 1 of 82, and occasionally, you just get beat. Now, sometimes, obviously, it, it comes to a certain point where, you know, it's too much, but... Like, you have to look at it and say, like, like the, the, the game one loss to the Knicks, and then this game, literal double overtime games that they're in against teams that have gotten off the hot starts. Again, I think that are better than, that the Celtics are better than, but they've gotten off to these hot starts, which can happen in, in, in the NBA regular season. Um, and they're right there, so... You know, it it is what it is. You can't just, you know, when you're looking forward, you can't just overreact to that. It's not like they're just getting blown out or whatever. They obviously the Toronto game was bad, but that was also competitive until they kind of just gave up. And giving up is not good, but like, you know, again, it's one game. That's really the only like bad game they've played. Aside from maybe the. Yeah, I guess the first Washington game wasn't the best either. But, you know, again, what you want to see is improvement. And they're improving in a lot of the... They improved tonight a lot of the things I wanted to see from them. Um, as far as, you know, some of the defense and the um, and, and the rebounding issues that the new defensive system was creating, I think they've actually cleaned some of that up. I saw I saw some good work on that tonight. Again, if, the, if they shot normal, average NBA shooting presented from three, even if they were a bad shooting team, if they're a bad shooting team, let's say, and they'll, I, I think they'll be better than 30% from three all season. But let's say they're a 30% from three team. Like, that's way better than seven. So, like, even if if you think they're a bad shooting team, and I don't, you know, because they have Tatum and Jalen and um, some other players, like, even if you thought they were a bad shooting team, they'd be way better than this. So... Like, I just don't think you can be extra bad. And it's like you look at the teams that, again, I'm not going to get 
all worried about about the standings, but it's like you look at their position compared to teams like they're a game up on or they're a game back on Milwaukee. They're a game back on Atlanta. They're a game and a half back of, of Milwaukee. They're they're right near some of these teams that I think you know they're going to be in the mix with. Obviously, Miami is the one who's you know they've raced out a little bit to you know to to a good record to start, but they also got some older players and they're probably not going to play all eighty two. So you have to keep that into account too with them. It's like um, it's not like they're any sort of like huge deficit there. You know they just at some point you know. Obviously, if we're 20 games in and they're below 500, then maybe we have a different conversation. But right now, it's way too early to make any definitive judgments. It just is. So, I mean, I had, going into the season, in terms of tiers, I had, in in the East, I had uh, Milwaukee, Boston, and Miami as title contenders. I had the Nets as a title contender, if healthy, which is a big if for them, as we know, with you know Kyrie being a nut job and uh, not getting vaccinated. Uh, you know, just an absolute crazy person. And then you have, you know, the Hawks and the Sixers as like solid playoff teams. And then you have that big play-in tier of like the. Hornets and the Knicks and the Bulls and the Wizards and the Pacers and maybe the Raptors. Although the Raptors, I feel like, could might be a big trade deadline sell-off team and that could potentially move them down. They might see an opportunity to say, hey, we're going to kind of move to the back of the standings and take our chances in the lottery again. Scotty Barnes looks like a find. Maybe they get try to get someone else. and uh, Then you have the... The, the Magic and the Pistons are awful. I'm sorry, those tiers aren't moving. It's way too early for that. It's just way too early. So, and again, I'm not just saying that because it's my team either. Like, like, like the Phoenix Suns, like... Like, it's way too early to be worried about the Phoenix Suns. It's way too early to be worried about the Milwaukee Bucks. Um... I mean, the Nets and the Lakers have gotten off the board too. Now, as far as those, it's like, I do think if you're seeing things from teams and it kind of confirms what you expect, then, you know, you can note it. But, you know, because, again, I was down on the Nets and the Lakers coming into the season. It's no secret. I've I've talked about it a little bit. Certainly in, my, in the blog I've talked about it. I don't think that the... You, you know that the Nets and the Lakers are going to be in the finals. I don't even know that either one of them is making the conference finals. I just think both teams have a lot of flaws that maybe people were overlooking. And especially you look at the, you look at the Lakers and it's like, um, you know, I think the shooting stuff is going to be fatal for them. I really do. But I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to like miss the playoffs or anything off of a start to a season. Like, no, they're going to make the playoffs. I just think their flaws are going to... I see the flaws looming and they're going to end up dooming them in the uh, in the later on splits. But the thing is, I already thought that coming into the year. It's not like I'm changing my mind over stuff I'm seeing early in the season. So, I just think, in the words of... Aaron, you know, in the words of Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers' voice right now, you, everybody just needs to Relax. It's, it's going to be okay, just 
it's way too early. Like, don't count out any. Don't count out, you know, if you thought that a team was going to be pretty good and, and they're off to a slow start. Don't get all panicky and change your mind. It's too early to do that. Even even if you're you, you disagree with me, right? Like let's say, let's say you did think the Nets were going to be really good. Like I wouldn't change my mind over that over over the start of the season. I mean, it, it, it you know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't like overreact to that, right? Now I again I personally think the Nets are not going to 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 win the title, not even win the conference, probably maybe not even make the conference finals. I I didn't have them in my conference finals coming into the year. But if you did, and that's your and that's your opinion, you shouldn't change it over the start of the season. If you thought the Lakers are going to be, you know, in the finals, then you know, you probably, I mean, you had to know that it was going to be an adjustment period at best. So, you know, ride out the adjustment period, see what happens. You know, I I just don't think you can go about changing wholesale changing of your predictions over six games. That's just stupid to me. So I had to kind of get some of this stuff off my chest because uh, I just think there's a right way to kind of like forecast this stuff and approach this stuff. And uh, I feel I feel strongly about it. And I just kind of wanted to get it out on the podcast a little bit. Um, so uh, again, I like the uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I like the dire- I'm OK with the direction that both my teams are going in the, the, the Pats. It's going to be a critical stretch here coming up, but uh, I like their chances against the Chargers, and I like their chances then against the Panthers, and then we'll see after that. Browns depends on health, and then the Falcons. The Falcons they should win too. So uh, they can be seven and five potentially, even if they lose the Browns game. So see what happens there. Or wait, it would be. No, it'd be six and five. Shit. Well, hopefully they win the Browns game. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I I like the direction they're going. You know, win the next two weeks, and then we'll see. And then the the Celtics, you know, they you know they're they're really close. They just have to, you know, if they get again, if they have one, if one of these things happens, if they have one of their two. Um, if they've either Marcus Smart or, or wait, let, let me rephrase this. If one of the following things happens tonight, Marcus Smart is healthy and plays. Robert Williams is healthy and plays. They have a slightly below average three-point shooting night instead of an awful one. If one of those things happens, then then they probably win the game. Because they, they, again, they played good defense. I was watching. I was there. I was at the game tonight. They did a good job contesting some shots around the basket. They, um, you know, I was just really impressed. Um, obviously, Beal got his points. Um, and Montrez Harrell was doing, uh, again, Harrell is, is one of those players. He's a good regular season player. He's going to get you, you know, some offensive production off the bench in the don't think he's a great playoff player, but in the regular season, he's a, he's a guy who can help you win games. He 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 had a pretty hot uh has had a pretty hot start to the season. Played well tonight, but other than that, I do think they did a pretty good job defensively. And you know, 
it just is what it is. Um, you know, those games happen, and I think just overreacting to it is just uh, is just the wrong move. So, um, I still believe I the Celtics is the number two seed coming in. I still believe in that. Not gonna change my mind off uh, off one week again. If we're if you know if we're fifteen twenty games in, like if we're twenty games in, and let's say the Celtics are eight and twelve, then we can have a different conversation. Um, obviously at that point. Uh, but I highly doubt that's going to be the case. I think they're way too good for that. I think Brown and Tatum are too good for that. I think they'll be fine. So, um, we'll see what happens. Thanks for listening. I'm sorry if I got a little aggressive with my rant. I didn't want to be aggressive. I just feel kind of passionate about, about some of these topics and it might've come out that way. So, uh, Thanks for listening. I hope you're ha- you, you know you're having a great Saturday night and uh, I'll catch you soon.